Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Well, let's get into it, guys. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, if you would. Uh, we bring up the lights a little bit more? That'd be awesome. Thank you. Um, as we continue into our study series, as most of you know, we've been in the uh, Sermon of the Mount, we're in the life of Jesus. And when it comes to the Sermon of the Mount aspect of things, again, it's been building. I just love how Jesus continues to build on top of what he has. He's recently covered uh, three different areas that we can adopt into our lives that lead us to freedom and to the freedom that he would have us to have. Uh, so he, he talked to us about generosity. He talked to us about prayer, talked to us about fasting, then covered three things that take away and lead us back into bondage, whether if we put money above him and look for money for our provision instead of God for our provision, uh, if we look at dealing with anxiety issues and dealing with false judgment issues. So now that those six things have been covered, he feels he has the foundation to cover what he wants to cover with you now. So again, there's always this assumption in Jesus' standpoint, not that you're nailing it, but that you've got it, and you said, okay, I see that, and now he's able to build on it. And what he's going to build on today is perseverance and how we live and the power of perseverance that's in our lives. So again, there's Bibles around the room if you need them. There's also you version up and running. But we're going to read uh, verses 7 through 11 and let it kind of be our starting point, our, our, our kickoff point for talking about perseverance in our lives. So Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. Or which of you, uh, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask, uh, ask him? So, three action words that we're going to focus in. It's just right there in the first sentence. Ask, seek, and knock. And when it comes to ask, seek, and knock, I th a lot of us can kind of respond to that pretty quickly in different ways. If you're raised in the church, or maybe you remember a VBS song about it, or stories they had it, or you got something from Hobby Lobby that says it on it, whatever the case may be, it can almost become somewhat of a glib statement. It's almost like there's something that we accept, or something that we know, or something that's just kind of laying around. Some people are on the other side of things, where they've tried, they feel that they've tried asking and seeking and knocking, and God didn't show up. And there's some people who can be quite upset at God about that or jaded about this particular comment. And my position today, as I'm going to put out to you, is that this should far be from a glib statement in our lives. And secondly, if he has not shown up, if that's the way that you feel, I'm going to make the argument that, because I believe in Scripture, I believe in the promises. I believe Jesus said this point blank, that if it did not work before, it's on my end, not his. Mm -hmm. That there's something that I have done that blocks or stops or keeps this promise from being into play. And I know that can be a bitter statement to hear because some people have been stung, especially if we're going to kind of come up against this. Maybe you pray about somebody not passing away that you care very deeply about or something that was very strongly something that you were passionate about. 
usually, usually, actually I'm going to say all the time, if it doesn't come through, it's because we're missing part of the boat of the fullness of it. That doesn't mean that you're a goofball. It just means that maybe you're ignorant of some of the things that, that's encapsulated in Jesus' teaching when we look in the fullness of this. So I want to break it apart a little bit and talk about asking first. We're going to spend most of our time there because I, I think that's where we get blocked up the most. And I want to share with you five different things that block us uh, from getting what we ask for. Uh, and we're going to put those up on the screen with the help of Lisa. We're going to start with number one. But the first block that comes to be is you don't know him as daddy yet. This is a promise that's made to his children. This is a promise they made to those who are following him. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. So there's a personal relationship within it. And one of the things that we know is there's a much larger percentage of people to pray to God than there is who have accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven their lives. They can define God different ways. That might just be part of their heritage. It might be part of their tradition. But this is me saying to one of my kids, come talk to me. Come ask. Let's do this together. And if I do not have a relationship with him, that could greatly hinder, hinder the process of what is here. So we have to understand what it looks like for him to be daddy in our lives. It's when we accept Jesus as leader and forgive in our lives. It's when we acknowledge with our mouth he's the son of God. We believe in our heart he died and rose again. You're God. I'm not. I'm following you. I want the life you created for me, and I want to get out of the way, so I'm going to be following you. I want to have that kind of relationship with you, not just where you're something I was taught about, but you're my king, and you're my daddy. You're my father, and you're also the authority that's in my life. And if we don't have that, that's going to greatly stumble everything within this. So if you've not accepted Jesus' leader forgiven in your life, then we need to kind of address that first. And I think it's important enough for Jesus died for, that that's something we need to address right now. So if you've not accepted Jesus as leaving forgiving your life, we're going to take a moment and pray. And I'm going to invite you to pray that the, the, the prayer with me. There's no magic words, um, but I do want to address it with you. If you feel that you've not accepted him as leaving forgiving your life, I know probably should have the lights down and kumbaya playing and all that kind of stuff, but it, it's an intellectual decision. It's an intellectual decision. So will you pray with me? Dear Holy Father, if there's anybody watching um, online, if anybody's watching a podcast, if anybody's in the house, Father, that have not accepted you as lead and forgive in your life, that they do so now. I, just, I, I know you are leaning into, that you are reaching out to, that you uh, are pa- passionate about finding us and offering this forgiveness to us, Father, offering this relationship to us, offering this lifestyle to us, because you want more for us than sometimes we even want for ourselves. And so, Father, I pray that if there's anybody bold enough to just have that conversation with you, in their mind, I, and just say, I, I know Jesus is the Son of God. I know you need to be in charge and not me. I believe you died and rose again and that you have forgiveness that I don't deserve to pour over my life. I know there's a plan better than what I have, and I want to follow you. And Father, that we just count on that promise that according to Romans, according to Paul, that when we pray that, when we know that, when we feel that, when we commit to that, then we are saved. And we can lean into your family for Christian community. We can lean into the resources with one another. We can lean into uh, friendships with one another and build up a support system around us to live life differently that doesn't make sense to the world, but is absolutely your best for us. 
Help us be that kind of church family. Help us to be that kind of individual. Help us to be that kind of parent. Help us to be that kind of uh, child. Help us to be that kind of person in the mission fields that are around us so that you get the glory and we have the life you created for us. Father, help us with that. In your name, amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer, you all say, that's what the scripture says. And we'd love to be a part of that. Please let me know afterwards. There's a party in heaven over you. We'd love to join that party down here. Uh, and if you've accepted Jesus, live forgiving your life, I'd love to talk to you some more about baptism as well. So make sure we, we have that opportunity there. But, okay, so assuming that you've accepted Jesus, live forgiving your life, or you're thinking about it, was I hinting? What did I do? Did I? Did I cough? Okay. I got a $50 gift card forever. Cover for me while I go to the bathroom now. <laughs> wow, I really got beat up. Okay, number two, number two. The block might not be the, uh, in that area, but it might be in, the, in this area, is that you're not asking. And I know that one sounds crazy, but it really does come in, into play um, quite often in our lives when we least expect it. Uh, here in James uh, Chapter 4, verse 2, it says, You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quill. Those are extreme words uh, for the simple this. You want it, so you do things within your own control to try to get it. That's basically what it comes down to. You might not have murdered your neighbor. If you did, that's another conversation. But you covet, you can't obtain, you're trying to do things by your own accord. And then first is this. You don't have because you do not ask. You don't have because you do not ask. And there's a lot of things if we're really honest, that we kind of assume God wants and we stopped asking him about or never asked him about. I was talking to a buddy of mine this week uh, who goes to another church, and they were talking about prayer last week. And so he was talking about it and how it kind of hit him. He's like, you know, I used to, when I was driving to work, I'd always pray for, like, my, my staff. I would pray for my, my witness there. I'd pray for safety over everybody. There's like four or five things I would pray over. And they're talking about this. And I'm like, man, I haven't prayed that for eons for eons, because a lot of times we just don't ask, or we give up, and we don't ask anymore, or whatever the case may be. Oftentimes, it comes into place that we assume things about God, where God's saying, child, come talk to me. Child, come talk to me. Um, I, I've shared this uh, one before. There, there used to be a, a time, let's see, this would be going back 21 years or so. I was youth pastor at another church, and uh, I was go there's some different things going on. I was going through a lot of transition in my life, and uh, I remember I wrote, got this purple piece of paper out. I was reading some things about that, about, about this, and uh, I had like two major issues. Again, this is from my perspective. All issues are major to God. But I had two major issues, two minor issues going on in my life, and I remember writing them down and praying over them, and just kind of commit them to God. And I folded it up and I put it in the bookshelf. Just kind of forgot about it. I, not the issues. I kept praying the issues but kind of forgot about the note. And about six months later, I came across it. And do it on a bright purple piece of paper. It's a lot easier to find. And I uh, came across that and opened it up. And it was just amazing the things that God had done. Just amazing. All four things were completely taken care of and we're on, on to different things. But if we don't remind ourselves what we prayed about yesterday, we don't see the answers. If he answers our assumptions without our praying, then we assume somehow we were the, the re reason that it went well. Where even Jesus himself, when he's praying at Lazarus' tomb, 
says, Father, I'm praying this in front of you so they can hear it, so they know it's a result of prayer and not because of me. We have to ask. What have you given up on asking about? Okay, so I'll put that in your back pocket. We're going to talk about that more as we go into some of these other ones. Number three, you don't have because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask with the wrong motives. This is the verse immediately after James 4.2. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. If you are constantly praying that God gets that jerk at your office fired so you don't have to deal with them anymore, it might not be right motives. Right? It, it, might, it might not be the right motive. If you're praying for a new boat, a ba just a massive boat because your neighbor got a boat that's better than yours and you want to show him up, verse 3 might be tripping you up a little bit. That's all I'm saying. We, we've got to pray for the right motives um, instead of stuff for ourselves and things that are outside of God's, God's will. Um, I think the, my, my favorite example of this, and it's probably the most powerful example of this, is when Jesus is praying in the garden. And he, right before his arrest, right before his torture, right before his death, uh, his crucifixion, worst death known to all mankind, what does he pray? God, if you can't take this cup away from you, please. Or take this cup away from me, please. I don't want this. And, and I think sometimes we, we skip over that, like just Jesus came down with a magical cape and just took the cross. And he didn't want to go through it. But, not my will, but yours be done. That's the most incredibly honest, vulnerable prayer that you can pray. And what I believe, and this is top commentary, so you, have, you, you can discern this, but uh, the, the scripture would be, be what you're stuck with. Um, I can pray to God about any desire I want. Uh, any want I want. And I, I talk to him honestly about my emotions and my fears and my hopes and the things that I've got going. But it's imperative at the end. But not what I want. What do you want, Father? That's what you say when you say in Jesus' name. At the end of the prayer. Do you realize that's what it is? It's not just some like little formula that you do. You're saying in Jesus' name, according to Jesus' will. Here's what I'd love to see happen, God. Here's the five things. But according to your will, amen, so shall it be. That's what that means at the end of your prayer. So that's what he's inviting us to do here as well. And one of the things I'm convinced of is if you want something and God, it's within God's will, and sometimes that doesn't mean just like just your needs. There's lots of things he likes to give you just because he wants to. But if it's, it's your want, your need, and he wants it, needs it too, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, period. Period. Number four, maybe you're not living righteously. And in some places, I think people use that as a, a cop-out, but I do think it's a biblical basis on this as well. Um, go to First John 3. We've got it up there for you. You can lose your place there in Matthew. First John 3. We're going to start in verse 21. Uh, and this is towards the back. It's right before Revelations. It's after all Paul's other letters. Um, page 1,882 in my Bible. <laughs> Verse 21, John writes this, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. That's going to be key in this section. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. 
and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another for as he has commanded us whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us Okay, so just kind of f- f- focusing on that, that first part. A lot of this is kind of uh, reinforces what Jesus has said. But if our heart be- does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. There is, when we're talking about maybe you're not living in righteousness, I'm not saying that because you told uh, Susan yesterday her dress was pretty, even though you thought it was dog ugly, and you've not confessed that sin yet, then God's not going to listen to you and not care about you and those type of things. That's not quite how it works. There's a difference, and I like to hit this often before it ever becomes an issue. There's a difference between living in sin and struggling in sin. In our church, uh, we have that determination, let's say, with leadership. Uh, If somebody is struggling in sin, I struggle in sin. All of us hopefully struggle in sin. It means that I recognize what sin is. I realize the sinner that I am. I take it serious when I mess up. I go for the grace that when I need the grace, and I try to keep growing, but I continue to, to, to struggle with that sin. I want leaders who struggle in sin because nobody's perfect. If they think they're perfect, they shouldn't be in leadership. And I want our, it, it, not just you guys, but our kids to see people who continue to follow Jesus in this world. Okay, so that's a good thing. Living a sin is when you say, I know that is not what God wants for me. I know that's a sin, but he'll be patient with me. Or he'll get over it. Or I, I, I'm just going to ignore that because I want this. I want that. And so you start to live in a sin and justify away the sin. That's not somebody who can be in leadership because we're more worried about your personal walk with the Lord than we are about you taking and doing responsibilities around the church. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of the easiest way to describe it within our church family too. So here... Beloved, if your heart does not condemn us, that means what is my heart to its sin? It's not that I'm 100% perfect, but that I'm growing and I'm serious about it. And when I'm continuing following the Lord in righteousness, then I have confidence before God. And he immediately, in the same sentence, starts talking about receiving. So this isn't a stretch. This is right there in the same ballpark of things when it comes to how, how our prayers are answered. So if you're dealing with finances... And you're like, why, wasn't, why won't God just save me from this financial mess that I'm in? But you do not tithe. You do not do offering. You are not generous to other people. You do not follow the stewardship guidelines of the Scripture or even know what the stewardship guidelines of the Scripture are. And then you're saying, God, save me. Tell me how it might get blocked up. There might be things there that are mucking up your life or an area that you struggle with. I want a wife, I want a husband, I want somebody who's perfect and we get along with each other and we skip through flowery fields with one another. Great. But you keep jumping in from relationship to relationship. You keep dating people that are not evilly yoked with you according to the scripture, that are not Christianly matured, that do not follow the Lord, that you're jumping into bed with quick and you can't figure out why things keep falling apart. This isn't all that hard. It is not hard. I'm following you, God, and I'm going to have to trust you with results. Now, you can do all the right things and still have struggle. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when I have struggle because I'm doing all the right things, my confidence before the Lord is so much better and so much more foundational. 
and I know that my daddy has an open road to do what he wants instead of me messing it up. Does that make sense? So that's a, a, another one of the, the, the possible uh, blocks that are there because if we continue that stuff, I mean, sometimes it's just straight discipline that we don't get what we're asking for. You know, if I've got a kid that wants to go to a birthday party next day at a friend's house and we love those friends and everything, we're all excited about it, and then they get mad about something, they trash their room while they're cussing you out and throwing things around, guess who doesn't go to the party? Because they need discipline. We, we, we need to be able to learn how to be mature. So am I living in a way where I'm in tune with my father and asking for his best in my life? He delights in giving it. And then number five, it's possible that you're not getting because you stopped after step one. You stopped after step one. Here's what most people do. We pray and pray and pray and pray for God to save our butts. Uh, we look around, waiting for God to do something, and we don't knock on a single door. That's what most of us do. We pray a lot, but we don't really. I'll tell you, it's, it's like this. And this is what I was joking about with, uh, I think, Amanda Russell earlier today. In my house, I know this is going to follow up a stereotype, but I don't need this to be a stereotype. In our house, if my car keys are not in my cup by my bathroom door, I don't know where they're at. That's just my habit. I come in, I drop everything off on that dresser, and I cannot find them. And my next response is going to be, Jenny, do you know where my keys are? Because I've looked everywhere. That, that's why I'm going to tell I've looked everywhere. They're not where they're supposed to be. And Jenny will find them. <laughs> Each and every time. She will find them. She, she looks everywhere. She goes, uh, that, 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 most of us are like me. It didn't happen the way I thought it was going to, so I guess God's not showing up. We we're called to seek. It's an action word. Um, I remember being, going back to church camp days, uh, I was with a, a buddy of ours camp. I was the pastor, not the director. And they had this big uh, outdoor reflection time planned uh, for this, like, Thursday night evening thing. And, uh, like, half an hour beforehand, sure enough, just rain galore. I mean, just storms coming in and all of it's ruined and they don't know what to do. So uh, he calls us all to prayer, which I think is awesome, awesome. And uh, we get in the circle and we all pray. I think you've heard this story before, Monty. Um, we, we all pray over this God shows what to do shows what to do and uh, then uh, then there's a second round everybody plays again second second time still going and they start in the third round and I'm like sooner or later or something and it was his father-in-law was there he says hey, hey guys I think God, even God is saying can you shut up and just let me show you what we're supposed to do now <laughs> and, and and it's, it's true but prayer is absolutely needed but we've got to seek and seeking is more than just looking in the cup by the bathroom door to see if my keys are there. And the example he gives, if you go back to it, Lisa, uh, is Luke chapter 15, just if you want to write it down if you haven't yet. But uh, in that section, Jesus is asked why, what his purpose is. And his purpose is to seek the lost, is to seek the lost. And he gives some different examples of what that looks like. And one of those examples is a woman with the coin. You guys know that story, basically? She loses a coin. She rips apart the house. Again, I think this is why the, is the wife, not the husband, looking. She, she becomes like Jenny. She's ripping up floorboards to see if it went through underneath. She's opening all the cupboards. Everything's being thrown out. And when she finds the coin, she has a big celebration, right? Which, which again, is a metaphor for Christ with, with the loss. But the, the simple point of it is she would not do that if she did not have an expectation of finding, the, finding that coin. 
That's ludicrous if you don't know. I know that coin's in this house. I'm going to find that coin. That's our attitude towards seeking when it comes to our prayer life. I brought this up to my daddy. I know he's acting one way or the other in this, and I need to seek that. I need to find that. Not just sit here like a bump on a log, but I'm going to take and search out how this is going to work. Um, another scripture I would put with this, and at least I'll get you up on this, is I think I've got Romans 12, 2 in there for you. This is my favorite scripture when it comes to finding God's will in your life. If someone's asking you, how do I, how do I know if God wants me to have this job or God wants me to do this move? Uh, Paul tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm going to leave that up for a little bit, Lisa. In other words, the Tom version of this, or the easy version of this, is this is how you know what God's will is. Stop having your own wants and passions and desires of what's going to happen in the forefront of your mind. Just put all that to the side. But I know if I got this job promotion, I could afford this, I could do this, I'd have this kind of stature, whatever the case may be, it would become, God, there's all kinds of benefits in the world, but I'm not thinking like the world, I'm thinking like you. Do you want me to have this? And when you put God's full front force, and then you start knocking, then you start testing, then you start putting out applications, then you start talking about uh, some interviews, then you start praying about things differently, you have different results. I know people who have moved great distances, not because of a job, but because of what God was calling them to do in their ministry and in their church life. I know people who have taken jobs with far less money because God had something different for them and their family. And I'm telling you, as, as a pastor, I hear all the time, we'd love to do this, but we've got, I got this job. Everything finds its balance in God. But we have to think differently. We have to think differently to be part of that search. That's where we find what is good, what's acceptable, and what is perfect. Let me talk a little bit about um, knocking. Uh, we're going to jump again. We're going to Luke 11. This one I think is fun. Luke 11, verse 5. And this is a harmony of the gospel situation. Uh, if you compare Luke's writing here to what we just read in Matthew, you're going to find that he's in the Sermon of the Mount as well. Uh, one of the things that's great when you look in the gospels is different ones will, different authors will pull out different points, depending on what they kind of feel is the most important uh, bullet points within it. And... Um, so this is the Sermon on the Mount as well, talking about prayer. And Jesus says this. He goes, Which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will get, not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or tenacity or perseverance, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. This is his example on prayer. So basically, if you really think about that situation, uh, the bread is not a, a want, it's a need. When it comes to the Jewish community, there's very strong... Um, teachings and commandments when it comes to hospitality. So if you have a friend that is hungry, uh, you must take care of them. So this is a neat situation. It's not like I'm just trying to get him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich until he can get some Wheaties tomorrow morning or whatnot. It's, this, this is something that's, that's serious and needs to happen. So when he asks and he says, man, I don't want to get out of bed for this, then he says, do it again. Ask again. The guy says, leave me alone. 
Knock. Keep doing it over and over. And sooner or later, he'll get up out of bed just to shut you up. This is something we hate with our children. Right? I just... To Toby just did this to Mike out on the porch. I didn't even think about it from that standpoint. But his tenacity <laughs> of repeating wanting what he wanted to have either gets you in more trouble or the father came. You did a wonderful job with that, by the way. He, you'd be very proud with the film, Amanda. He did a great job. No, Toby? Hey, in, at VBS, I saw that fra the phrase with Toby, uh, you vex me, child. And I kept wondering, like, when is he going to ask me what that means? This morning when I got here, I walked into the kids' room, and Toby looks up and goes, you vex me, child. <laughs> so <he's> like, <laughs> Yeah, no, hopefully it's just me, because if he does it at your house, you're going to end up hating me. <laughs> but, but he says to have that tenacity, have that perseverance uh, from, from a good holy standpoint. Uh, because we know there's basically, again, this is maybe making it too simple, Tim, but, but true, basically there's three answers to prayer, right? Yes, no, and not yet, right? And uh, so, so those are the three that, that we're working with. And this is a situation where it's a not yet situation, where you don't know for sure it's a not yet situation. That he tells you, keep coming back and talk about it again. Hey, Daddy, you remember when we talked last week about this job? I, I, I just want to let you know I fully trust you with that, but I'd like to talk to you more about it. I, I don't know about you, but with my kids, I like having that kind of relationship. I like being able to talk about things. I want some intimacy with my kids. And that's what, what, he, what he wants from us as well. Now, in language, there's imperatives. Um, and imperatives are, depending on how you phrase something or depending on what word you use, it can mean different things. Um, and this is true within the Greek. There's two types of imperatives in this particular case. One is called a roast. Uh, I, and I, I'm probably good, 70% sure I'm saying that correctly. And when you have an roast imperative on a statement, it means it happens once. Okay, and then there's also the other one is present. And when you use the present imperatives, it means it happens over and over and over and over again. So let's say like we just finished up driver's ed with, with M, let's say we're out driving and we're at a red light and say, now when that light turns green, go. And I say that with the roast imperative, it means at this light, in this instance, when that turns green, go. And when she gets to the next light and it turns green, she would look at me and say, okay, now what? That's, that's a roast. It happens once. I'm, I'm being very clear on that. Now, if it's in the present tense, every time that sucker turns green, go. That's what it means from now on, is, is how that imperative works. And in this case, when it comes to ask, when it comes to seek, when it comes to knock, every single one of them are in the present imperative, meaning do it over and over and over and over and over again. It's, a, it's a, con a continuation of that perseverance, that ask, seek, and know. We need to move away from kind of that Homer Simpson, God is my parachute mentality of just praying when we need him and establish an intimate relationship because you're my daddy, because I want to ask and you want to hear, because I want to be within your will instead of just want what I want. And I, I want something deeper. I want something more free and I need something more to live with in my life. Uh, on the screen with Lisa's help, we're going to put Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Here's why this one is so important. It's in Matthew 6. 
It's in verse 33. It's a paragraph and a half before this lesson. He assumes we're already on board. He assumes we already got it. So we are people who seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness, and then these things will be added to us by having these conversations with our Father, having expectant hearts, seeking him out, looking for those answers, knocking so that the doors that should be open will open, and the ones that shouldn't open, you don't want them to open anyways. And you only know if they knock. So ask him. Ask him for move him, ask him for wisdom, ask him to, to lead you, seeking, seek that leading, and then knock, try, see what his will is and what he opens up for him. Just make sure that you're seeking the giver, not the gifts all the time. Amen? Uh, there was this one, uh, I grew up American Baptist, and uh, I still look back and remember a lot of, like, American Baptist pastors are great at having these stories. Uh, just, was, it, it, very seldom were they actually personal life stories as much as just stories that illustrate the point. And I've probably forgotten hundreds of them, uh, but there's a few that have stuck with me all, all my life. And there's one um, that I think applies here where there's like a dad and a kid in the backyard. Uh, and, uh, and there's like this large-sized rock. They're like trying to clean it out. There's this large-sized rock. And the dad says to his son, son, why don't you move that rock? And so the kid, he's like seven or eight years old, he starts trying to move that rock. He's, you know, pulling on it and lifting on it and sweating and uh, not very happy about the whole situation, maybe even slips out a course word or so. And uh, every time he starts to give up, his dad says, son, just use all your strength. You'll be fine. And the kid's like, I am using all my strength, though. And he's, you know, upset. And, he's, uh, and then dad antagonizes again. Use all your strength, son. Just use all your strength. This goes on three or four times, so the kid finally just gets frustrated and just sits down and says, I am using all my strength. He says, no, you're not. You never asked me for help. I'm right here. I'm right here. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.